1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15 verses 1 to 11 can be found on the Churchy Bibles um, on 1139. Now brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believe. I'm reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 to 21. And it's on page 1145. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, and the old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As we've been uh, talking about our theme, trade-ins at Easter this year, uh, maybe when you think of trade-in, you think of this character on the video. Hi, I'm Tony Packard, and up the Windsor Road we've started a campaign to ban bombs from our road. If you own a bomb, shove it, tow it, get it up here. It could be full deposit on any one of our great and two-year warranty used cars. And if your credit's good, you can drive it away on the spot. Drive safely and have the security of this AFDA protection on every used car we sell over $3,000. This is what we do to bombs. So you bring your bomb to me, Tony Packard of Tony Packard Holden. Just up the Windsor Road from Borkham Hills, and let me do it right for you. The old has gone and the new has come. And you have to be old enough, don't you, to appreciate the video. 
Uh, could it really be true that the old could be gone and the new could come? We long, some of us, don't we, that the old would be gone, that we'd be able to trade in the old and start again. And people do it every year with their New Year's resolutions. Or you might just get a new wardrobe when spring arrives, for after all, the clothes maketh the man. But it doesn't work, does it? If only there was some way to get rid of the old and to bring in the new that actually worked. That would bring you a new way of life and a new relationship with God. The good news, isn't it, that Easter Sunday brings that reality. The Bible says in our passage tonight, the old has gone and the new has come. And that can be a reality for every one of us. Uh, The old has gone. What does the Bible mean here? Well, you see it there in verse 15, I think. He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. That's the old way to live. It's the normal way to live, isn't it? After all, you've got to live for yourself. Who else is there to live for? You've got to look out for number one. Everyone lives for themselves. Well, there's plenty of people who'll tell you that they they don't live for themselves. They live for their wife or their husband. They live for the kids. They live for their community. I had a guy say to me once that he worked long hours, six days a week, but he wasn't doing it for himself, for things for himself. He was doing it for the kids. I thought, good-o, he's about to give me a whole lot of money for my kids. And then I realised he meant his kids. That's what he meant, which is really just an extension of him, isn't it? We all live for ourselves and we think that's normal and we even glorify for, uh, glorify it by saying, I did it my way, as if somehow this was clever or innovative or new. Now, we've been doing this since the beginning of humanity. Adam and Eve, you'll be like God, they were told, and they said, yes, I'll do it my way. This is the old way of life, where you live for yourself and it produces the old relationship with God. Do you see that in verse 19? God was counting men's sins against them. The Bible's got a word for living for yourself. It's got the letter I in the middle of it, not surprisingly. It's the word sin. That's your general attitude to life and it produces sins and God takes them personally, God counts them and he counts them against you. It's like a diary. My dad's been keeping a diary for about 50 years and when something significant happens in his life, this one diary, it gets written in and so he showed me the day I was born, what he wrote. And perhaps for that reason, when I was 14, I started keeping a diary as well. I started writing what I did that day, what I thought that day, what I felt that day. And as you can see, I've still got it. I was travelling with a group of teenagers once and one of the girls found the diary and started reading it. How do you think I felt? Mortified, which means bad, if you're not sure. Embarrassed. Because the stuff in your own diary with your name on the front 
if you're honest, is not good, is it? It's got stuff in it that you shouldn't have done. It's got stuff in it that you should have done, but you didn't, and you realize it. Now, let's be honest. Very few people keep a diary these days. We're not interested in being so introspective, are we? No, we do our introspection by putting it out on the internet, on Facebook. Or we let Google track our diary movements for us. Imagine if God kept your Facebook, kept your diary, every thought, every word, not just the glamour shot at the resort, not the beautiful meal that you've made on a plate and take a picture of it before you eat it. Everything. God keeps a record and he counts it against us. That's the old, our old way of life and our old relationship with God. And you can't trade in the diary. You can't erase the account. You can't transfer it to someone else, no matter how much you want to. That's the old. Sometimes old is good, isn't it? Antique means old, but expensive. Retro, according to Record Ralph, means old, but cool. But sometimes old is bad. When I was buying a new car, I had a trade-in. And the guy, the valuer, came all the way up the Windsor Road to look at my trade-in. Very kind of him. But when he looked at my trade-in, my 19-year-old Suzuki Swift, he said to me, oh, Have you got someone you can give it to? Because in his eyes, it was worthless. Well, our old way of living and our old relationship with God is worse than worthless. It is worse than a bomb, for it counts against us. And you'd long for it to be gone, wouldn't you? Here's the good news of Easter Sunday. The old has gone. And the second half? The new has come. It's a new relationship with God. Do you see that in verse 18? All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. He's the diary keeper, our diary keeper, but he, the offended person, the one we've sinned against, fixes things up. He's the reconciler. How does he do that? Verse 14, Good Friday, one died for all. He died as a trade. Do you see there verse 21? God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus had no sin. What was Jesus' diary like? His name at the front? Nothing in it that he shouldn't have done. Everything in it that he should have done. That was his diary. And what does God do on Good Friday? He picks up my diary, he picks up your diary with our names in it, scrubs out our names and gives it to Jesus. All the things we should have, shouldn't have done, all the things we should have done but didn't, are given to him. He who knew no sin becomes sin for us. What a relief. It gets better. See the end of the verse? So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What does God do with Jesus' diary, with his name in it, with everything good in it? 
scrubs out Jesus' name and writes yours in. How good is that? And not just that, a new relationship with God, reconciliation. Because Jesus didn't just die but rose again, do you see there in verse 15, there's a new way of living. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Is that onerous? Is that the bad news, the fine print that you've now got to live for Jesus? No, that's good, isn't it? How dumb would it be to live for you? Imagine trying to convince someone else that they should live for you, that you, out of all the people in the universe, were the one person worth living for, worth pleasing, worth investing their life in. How dumb is that? Why would you want to do that? Surely you'd want to live for the one person who actually matters. Unlike me. Unlike you. What a privilege to know who matters and to live for him. A new relationship with God and a new way of living. The old is gone, the new has come. And this is so big. So revolutionary, have a look at verse 17, that Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. She is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. If someone has some extraordinary experience, they have a heart transplant or something, we say, don't we, they've become a new man. They've become a new woman. But that's not what Paul says. He said, He is a new creation. It's God who did it. He's the creator. And it's big, an extraordinary change. God made the world and God made a new person. But it's even bigger than that. Literally, verse 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, new creation. The words he is or she is, are not there. If anyone is in Christ, new creation. There is the person who's new in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. You look at them and you go, new creation. Wow. Now, is that big? Yes, God made the world by speaking. And when the world went bad because of our sin, he promised that he would recreate, new create the world. And here he says, here is a Christian, an old has gone, new has come person. You see them and you go, new creation. Isn't that extraordinary? The guarantee, the start, the promise that he is going to recreate, new create, everything and in that one person there is the new creation when i was a kid coles supermarkets weren't called coles supermarkets they were called coles new world as if you'd go there and buy your cornflakes and everything would be new and so the joke at primary school was which shop do you go to when the world blows up coles new world God's better than Coles, isn't he? The old is gone, the new has come. And anyone who is like that, new creation. 
Can you see here what an incredible trading deal this is? Living for yourself, having your sins counted against you, makes you a worthless bomb. And then God gives you a new relationship with him, a new way of living that actually matters, and you are a new creation. It's like trading in a kingswood, a 50-year-old kingswood, without wheels, without windows, without a boot or an engine, and getting a brand new Ferrari with no more to pay drive away today, you see. This is the sort of deal that Tony Packard would have loved to have done. Come up the Windsor Road from Borkham Hills and let me do it right for you. Though it turned out he was only doing it right for him, if you remember. He was ripping everyone off illegally. This is an incredible trade-in deal. A bomb for a Ferrari. And so why would you not Trade in on these terms. Trade in your old relationship with God for a new one. Trade in your old way of life for living for Jesus. So will you trade in your life? It's not like an app that automatically updates to the new version overnight. You can choose not to trade in with God. Yes, the passage does talk about all died. It does talk about the world, but that just means anyone's welcome. It doesn't matter how bad the bomb is, he will trade it in. Paul persecuted the church. But verse 17, it is for some people, not everyone. If anyone is in Christ who has gone from being outside Christ to being in Christ, who has accepted the trading, who has signed on the bottom line. Have you done that? How do you trade in with Jesus? It's so simple. It's an A, B, C. Admit what your old is like, that you are a bomb, worthless because of your way of life and your sins counted against you. B, believe that Jesus traded his life for yours and was raised again, and see, commit to living for him. Maybe tonight you are ready to sign on the bottom line. This is a great deal and you do not want to miss it. Then please do. Talk to someone about it tonight. Maybe you're not sure about this and you don't really understand what I'm talking about or you need to know more and you've realised tonight that you don't want to miss the deal but you need to know more. Then do something about it. James will give us some clues on how to do that later in the service. Will you trade in with Jesus? Of course, many of us tonight have already traded in with Jesus we realised we were a worthless old bomb and God was offering an incredible trading. We realised that, and you might have realised that 50 years ago. Can you still see what an incredible deal it was? That's the purpose of Easter for us, isn't it? 
to see what Jesus did and to see what he did in our lives when the old was gone and the new has come. Imagine if you got that trade in and you were now driving around in a Ferrari. And as you drove around, you never actually remembered the Kingswood that you used to have without wheels. Or imagine if you're driving around in your Ferrari and you had nostalgia, retro or something, and you long to be back in your old life, in the bomb, forgetting what an incredible trade-in God had done for you. A new way of living, a new relationship with him, and part of the new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you as always that you tell us the truth about us. That outside of Christ we live for ourselves which is dumb and our sins are counted against us. Our Father, we thank you so much that you offer this incredible trade-in deal that you gave Jesus to trade his life for us and offer for our old to be gone and the new to have come. Father, for those of us tonight who need to make that trade-in deal, please cause us to do that. And Father, for those of us who have already traded in our lives with Jesus, help us to see afresh, anew, be reminded what a great trade-in deal we got. We pray it in Jesus' name.